Did you ever feel guilty or did you just feel relieved that she'd gone? You know, I was affected by it too, okay? I mean, it's every guy's worst nightmare getting accused like that. Can you guess what every woman's worst nightmare is? Analysis listeners, want to welcome back into the podcast an old friend, Brittany Brown. Brittany, thank you for Yee. coming back and joining. Yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely. So last week, Matt and I did a Give It a Stream episode, and we recapped some of the movies we've been watching. January was a relatively big movie dump for the industry on all of our streaming services, because obviously no one's going to the theater. And we talked about a movie, and, and I think we covered it pretty well. We had, we had a nice, robust conversation on it, a movie that I'm really pumped up about. And some of our audience members are like, we love that episode, but we really want to hear what Brittany Brown has to say on the topic. <laughs> so ask and you shall receive audience. But Brittany, you're going to come in with me today and do a deeper dive into a movie that if it People aren't talking to you about it already. They should be. But Promising Young Woman. Me and you were yes. texting about it. We're been, we've been really fired up over the last week and a half. Hmm. What were your feelings on this movie? Why have you been so fired up about it? Truthfully, I just, from start to finish, the execution of this film was just so top-notch, in my opinion. I was so stirred from the very top of the, the credits, you know, at the very beginning of the film. Like I was just glued to my screen. Like I w whenever I was watching it on my TV, I was just like so in it from beginning to end. There's so many great elements that went into, I mean, first off the color scheme, was yes. insane. I loved the color scheme of the cinematography. I thought it was so well done. Um, also love that it was directed and written by a woman. That made me so incredibly happy. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, but I just, and also the pacing of, of this film. I know that we'll, you know, dissect it as we go, but I just have to say, I, I watched a lot of film in uh, quarantine as we, as we all have a lot of film and a lot of television. And this just sparked something in me that I, that I haven't, that I felt about very few things during quarantine. Um, and also Carrie Mulligan turning in personally, my favorite performance in, in her catalog so far for me personally in this film. Not only my favorite performance of her in her catalog, my favorite performance this year, I believe. I mm -hmm. maybe Chadwick Boseman and Ma Rainey in Ma Rainey, but yeah. it's splitting hairs at this point. I really, really love this character and was totally invested in the journey. So. Let's first go back to what you were saying about the look of this movie mm -hmm. and the energy and, and the pace that we, we drive in, in this movie. So this movie is a mix of genres. Uh, it is part 
revenge, fantasy, it's part rom-com, mm-hmm. it's part murder detective drama. I mean, yeah. it's, it's honestly a part seven different things, right? And mm-hmm. But, but the, the, the color scheme to this, to me, it feels almost like a Warhol painting or yeah. a, a pop art when you see, and, 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 it's, and it's very deliberate. And there's multiple scenes where they'll show her biting and peeling off a latex glove, and then there'll be a, a close-up of a drunken male's almost snarling yeah. uh, animalistic face, and, and, and then they'll cut to some sort of taxidermy that's, that's in this bachelor party, right? But there's like very deliberate subliminal messaging that's happening here but the look and feel of it and her costuming in the rooms that she's in it's very girly Mm -hmm. and one of the things that me and Hayes talked about was that it's it's very Britney Spearsy it's very music video-y it's almost you're you're thinking about Katy Perry almost in in certain ways but it's very colorful and girly what do you think the the meaning behind that is this being looking so adolescent or, or so girly in certain places well i i think it's a a couple of different things first off i i i love a film having kind of it, it it's toes in several different camps mm-hmm. um when especially when it's executed so successfully i think that this film could have easily been like you know, kind of like going off the rails a little bit because uh, there's just so much happening. And I think that the way that everything is set up that kept it from feeling like it was, you know, everything but the kitchen sink. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, w- I just think that that was, you know, so, so smart on, on her part, especially. But I think, I think that some of it has to do with, um, because even though we're seeing everything through a, a female lens or a female perspective in this film, I think that some of the visuals are very much uh, through a male gaze to mm-hmm. uh, an extent. Like I think that we're seeing male perception of like these vibrant pastel colors and all you know these things that men just kind of attribute as very feminine qualities. So we're seeing it through through there as if that's you know kind of supposed to you know, make it more accessible t- to men in a way, but it's very much through a female lens and through her storytelling, her point of view. And I think the duality of that is just a really intelligent choice. Also, like, even right down to, like, the title, because the, the title is a, a Brock Turner reference. And oh, shit, I didn't even know that. Yeah. Can you, because- can you tell me, oh, it just promised, like, uh, because whenever he was being, uh, uh, whenever he was accused of sexual assault, everything that people kept saying in the media was that he's a promising young man. Oh, it was, shit. it was always about like his, his potential and how he seems, but it was never about the fact that this is the crime he committed. And so that's where the, the title came from, which I, again, is just such an intelligent commentary. It's just yeah. so good. Well, but just because, I mean, just, the idea of someone's potential comes into play and mm-hmm. this is almost in and for me and you it's, it's almost a choose your adventure because there's a lot of really relevant uh, and really important themes that this movie talks about through the evolution of its plot because you're working with the idea of a nice guy 
Mm -hmm. and I'm a nice guy. And it's like, are you really? (laughs) What are you doing right now that's a nice guy? I thought we had a connection. Okay, what's my name? Yeah. What do I do? What what are my interests? Name one interest, right? And, and, And just so like the idea of a nice guy comes into play. I really want to talk to you about that. The mm-hmm. idea of we were kids and that's where that I'm a promising, I'm, I'm a kid and, and, and I can't be held accountable for my actions when I was a kid. The idea of victim shaming obviously comes into play. The idea of an accident, but really they were deliberate choices in the moment and we're labeling them as accidents on the backside. But one of the, one of the big themes is should I ruin this person's potential Mm-hmm. based on one incident that was happening under the gaze of alcohol should should i ruin this promising young man's potential don't ruin my son's potential he's this promising young man and so i just i thought that the the title was promising young woman and obviously it's it's a a turn on that concept but i did not know that it was a a direct re- reference to Brock Turner which makes it even more interesting yeah, it's um, because you, I love that also with the juxtaposition of, they they do say several times, you know, um, Cassie had to drop out of out of med school to to help Nina. She had a lot of potential. She was like top, and and that Nina was top of her class. Like all of these things, like their potential was snuffed out, and it was almost like it was always secondary to, well but look at what he's going to go off and, you know, just yeah. one, one. Oh, he's a really sharp young man. Yeah. yeah. And one thing that's important to note that my girlfriend actually brought up was that the, the casting of the Dean being a woman mm-hmm. was really interesting. So let's stay cause, cause I don't want us to get too crazy on the themes. Let's, let's stay on the theme of promising young woman, but that, that conversation very much comes into play with the, comeuppance that Dean Walter gets and the fact that they cast it as a woman is very very interesting how did you feel about that I liked it because I felt like it was very realistic I think especially a lot of times I I think at least in a lot of film and tv that I've seen um, you know, people who are shown, you know, as, as deans or as, um, you know, upper level people at, at universities or in education, it tends to be um, a boys club. And so I think that there's also this tendency that when you're a, a woman and you get, um, you like kind of work your way up through the ranks, you know, surrounded by a lot of men, I also think that sometimes it's, you can get caught up in, in, in that culture. And I think a lot of times, especially in universities, there's also a lot of uh, trying to sweep things under the rug. I mean, to, again, you know, kind of go back to, you know, the, the parallels to, to Brock Turner. I mean, Stanford did, you know, quite a bit of that. It, it took a lot of coaxing for them to, to come full and help at all while that case was happening. And so I think that a lot of times when this stuff gets shoved under the rug, we like to think that, you know, men are responsible for a lot of that. But I think that this also showed that men aren't the only people at fault for perpetuating this kind of culture. And so I thought it was actually a really good choice to have uh, Connie Britton play that part because it's just like not it's not just it's not just the the fault of 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 all men sometimes women get swept up in 
into the same thing too, especially when you're, you know, behind, you're, you know, in Absolutely. that same culture as well. Part of the, the main villain of this story is society, mm -hmm. men and women. And you notice in these Roman numerals, yes, there's, there's more men on the list, but there's, there's a couple of women there as well that yep. had an opportunity to fix this situation. And in not just the moment in which it happened, but in the subsequent test of, of their merit and of their will fail, they fail yeah. twice. Right? Yeah. Her, well, friend, her, her friend at the, at the wine lunch fails oh, and yes. Walker fails again. Yeah, well, because it's also, that's where some of the, the victim shaming also comes in, where it's, a, you know, if she, if she hadn't had so much to drink, if she, you know, uh, you know, hadn't been, you know, wearing what she was wearing, it was the, it, I think it's always interesting to see that come out of not just the men's mouths, but also Alison Bree's character, she was the one, she was just like, I mean, she, she was sloppy, and it's mm -hmm. just like, oh, okay. And so that's when I, you know, I, I really, you know, love that, that sequence. And it's just like, interesting. Um, because when the, when the tables are turned, it's very much also that kind of thing of, it doesn't matter as much to you until it happens to you. Mm -hmm. And that, um, you know, is kind of what comes into play there with her comeuppance too. I think that's why this movie is so impacting too, is some of these... I don't want to call them punchlines, but some of these critical lines that each one of these characters say that are part of the Roman numeral list are words that I've heard directly. Mm -hmm. The, she, she just sleeps around and what, what am I supposed to say? She had a reputation. That is yeah. when these oh. scenarios come into play, the reputation oftentimes mm -hmm. is is something that someone talks about or what am i supposed to do every time this happens ruin a man's life like that obviously ruin a man's promise that that came up in the brock turner thing and so when they're lifting actual lines that or actual phrases that you hear commonly and, and that's another really sad thing is is that these instances happen so common that you can't turn a corner without bumping into someone that has a direct experience here. Right. And, right. but the fact that they're lifting these words in, in, in direct dialogue, it makes it relatable. Yeah. Well, and I also think that something that um, it just really highlights the tunnel vision. I think that uh, people, especially uh, men can have about themselves because they're, they're thinking like, well, don't, you know, ruin my life over like one silly mistake, but what happened to Nina had ripple effects. So they didn't just destroy her life. You know, Nina dropped out. So did Cassie. Nina kills herself and mm -hmm. that affects her family. And then to, the, I mean, even to the point to where Cassie is so embedded in her own guilt for not being there for her, that Nina's mother has to be like, you have to find a way to, to move on. Yeah. Like, for all of our sakes. And so you've got this, this huge net of, of a ripple effect. And it's like, you're worried about solely yourself and then look at what happened to this woman when you did this one thing and look at how many people you affected versus that singular thinking. There's a really brilliant line and it was at the top of our lead in today, but do you know when Al is chained to the bed mm. on our, uh, in the beginning of the, final act of our story and he says do you know 
being accused of something like that is every guy's worst nightmare. And Cassie goes, do you want to know what every girl's worst nightmare is? Yeah. And it's, it is that tunnel vision that you're talking about. And it's, like, oh, you don't want, you're worried that this name being carved into you is going to make it awkward for you and your fiance. Well, think about this. Right. And right. like, it should, like these things should follow you and, and these choices should follow you. So absolutely. The, the first thing is, is, is that shaming or, and, and, and I think one of the things that I haven't got a chance to talk about, but one of my favorite moments or vignettes because very much halfway through this movie, it kind of becomes these individual chapters mm-hmm. where she's going after each numeral. But when she gets to the lawyer, when she gets to Jordan yeah. Green and really all she's looking for is someone to take accountability. And she, she tells him she's there for his retribution and, and he's, he's accepting it. And, and you can just tell the years of defending these men have taken a toll on him. And at the end of this story, he's the only one that is able to make a correction of their behavior. Everyone, including the boyfriend, including Bo Burnham, yeah. just doubled down on their behavior. And it really, that whole, we were kids. I mean, how can, and she, she rolls her eyes and she said, if I hear one more person say person. we were kids, because when we're back at it and you have a chance to redeem yourself, you make the same mistake. And in the case of the bachelors, they do it even worse. They murder her and try to cover right. it up. Right. Well, and so and- all she's looking for, the only guy that, that gets, gets out of Cassie's way or that, that she, that she releases is the person that accepted responsibility for their actions. Yeah. And that's also a really, just such a nice nuanced moment of acting when she goes back out to the car and the guy's just like, Am I, do you want me to still go in there? And she's just like, no, mm-hmm. no. Because what, you know, I, I, I feel like I, I, I got a little bit of what I was looking for without having to take it for myself. Yeah. Um, and I just, oh, I, yeah, I really loved that, that sequence. And also when you were bringing up Bo, I just love... Again, the dichotomy of, you know, uh, Al's character, um, and and even though we hadn't, you know, haven't met the 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 bachelors until the toward the end of the film, n- knowing that there were these this group of people who were present for this, and you know, you you can assume that they're, I mean, they're all just you know gross human beings like these dudes who were just like, you know, taping this shit at this party. The the dichotomy of that with who you think Bo Burnham's character is. Again, it's that thing, you know, of talking about like, what what is a nice guy? And throughout, I would say, yeah, a solid 80% of this film, you you think that that's him. I unfortunately, as soon as, you know, Alison Brie says that she has a tape, I found myself thinking, dear God, please don't be on this tape. Please don't be on this tape. And then of course, you know, that's what happens. And so I love, because then we kind of get a moment when she, when Cassie confronts him with that information where he seems apologetic and then it turns on a dime where it's just like, well, haven't you ever done something that you were ashamed of? Very defensive. Yeah, you righteous bitch. Yeah, and it's just like, oh, you're you're no different. You just have a a, a much better disguise than a lot of other men. And that's almost scarier. Absolutely. And, And what she's looking for in that moment is the same that she was looking for in the lawyer, where she mm-hmm. just wants him to be accountable for his actions. If he were to 
to, to have any sort of remorse. Instead, it's this, the whole, it, he goes into the whole, we were kids. How could I be, how could I be yeah. asked to held responsible? And she goes, okay, yeah, exactly. You have a better disguise. And that's one of, I think the really impactful messages that they're making, that Emerald Fennel is making in, in the writing is that the nice guys are the scarier ones because they actually, they, they'll never, they'll never, change their course of action they're going to continue to make oopsies and accidental mistakes but believe that they're good people i mean you're and i think that the the murder scene speaks to me a lot in this example because a it's very uncomfortable it's very realistic the way that far more realistic than most uh, than when most, when you're suffocating someone like yeah no. i mean it takes a long time and and i i was watching it through my fingers it was mm-hmm. shocking and, and horrifying but He's so deliberate. He's got to double his, he's got to grab his ankle and mm-hmm. drive in further and further. There's no way that anyone could, uh, could feel that this was a mistake. No. Right. And he, even himself, when he wakes up in the morning and he's talking to Max Greenberg, he kind of starts to believe, yeah, it was a mistake. Yeah, it was a mistake. And, and it goes into that. It was, it was an incredibly deliberate behavior that now later for, the sake of your story you're going to convince yourself was an accident no just even right down to whenever yeah whenever max greenfield is also like consoling him and just like it's okay it's not it's not your fault like you know of course this this was gonna happen you know what i mean and it's just Mm -hmm. that and then it suddenly flips to oh yeah no i'm i'm the victim here Mm -hmm. and it was just like God, when you have to watch him shift his weight and he's got his knee on her chest. And there's Which also no way. watching someone be strangled with a knee in today. I, I, yes. I don't think it was built in for that, but just no. holy shit, another level. I know. And it was just like watching, watching especially that, like the longer when I, I was like you, I kind of had to like turn away because I was just like, I don't. Yeah. I, but I can appreciate that, that level of detail because it's just like no you had so many chances when you could have been like what the fuck am i doing no i can't do this and you just double down and you're just like you keep thinking that you're past the point of no return when in actuality it takes almost 10 minutes to kill someone in that fashion and it's so personal that it's just um yeah it's just very very upsetting to see and then I, I do love how she was able to tonally shift that the next morning, kind of with, especially with Max Greenfield's character, bringing him in and it, and it's kind of like that dark comedic tone, like when they're burning her, her body and like, he's just got this like goofy look on his yeah. face, like, well, and he's like schlepping her hand and back into the fire. And it's just like the, the, the tonal shift there. I just, I don't know. I just thought everything was so deliberate and intentional in mm-hmm. in the way that they shot the film that it just made oh god when that third act happened i didn't i really didn't see that coming yeah me neither i think and that's that conversation where he's consoling him and it's actually no and, and we're gonna make this better and you could feel that that was the exact same conversation that happened the night after the video was taken yeah. and there's there's a direct parallel there and it's and and it's that's that's where I go back to this. We were kids, and all of these people had a chance as adults, and they they still made the same behaviors because they never learned the first time. Right. And that's that's why she's doing this atonement. She's really trying to teach hard lessons in the only way that you can. 
and in your face. And the, the, the casting of all these nice guys at the top mm-hmm. of the movie and the casting of McLovin, I think that's really deliberate because he started yeah. as a kid. He started as a kid actor and he was in a movie that today is somewhat hard to watch because yeah. they're, the whole goal is let's get these girls wasted so they can have sex with us. They can lose their inhibitions and us losers can get laid. And that's been the gaze. That's been the male gaze for so many years. And so now you've got McLovin playing the same type of character, but as an adult and he's doing the same shit. Yeah. He's forcing, forcing Coke in her face. And it's oh like, my God. That's, a, that's a direct correlation there's a there's a direct casting purpose for that yeah and like the fact that he doesn't see that's the same as if you roofied her drink like when she can't snort it herself he then takes it and like puts it on her Her lips yeah yeah and it's just like yo man like that's that's really fucked up and what i what i also love about it is that you do have to think um kind of in the in the middle of the film until we get some clarification about what happened with Alison Bree's character and the other guy that you do like whenever I, I at first watched the scene with with her and Alison Bree and the guys like are you sure that you want to do this I was like ooh, are we about to go in like a really dark direction because it's just like yo that's not cool but then when she's like he just watched you sleep and made sure you were okay because she's like or like whenever she drives the dean's daughter and leaves her in a diner but she makes her think that she left her you know drinking with some college dudes who don't give a fuck it's like yeah yo no that's that because it's like because i would never do that but now you know what that feels like and you couldn't have cared less you know whenever this happened you know all of these years ago and i'm just showing you what that fear feels like i wrestled with that what would have been more entertaining and or impactful if she actually saw those actions through or if she did it the way that they do it in the story. And at the end, in a, in a different conversation, I, I, I came to understand that if she would have actually had the girl go to the college dorm with the liquor, or if she would have had her friend hook up with some guy or had, had some guy take advantage of her, it would have made her character a lot harder to root for on the back end and, and actually could have been a, a lightning rod for people that want to two wrongs don't make a right and blah, blah, blah. It, it just would have been messier and, and gotten in the way of the overall message that the story was trying to tell. So I like the, I like the fact that it was a, a lesson, but yeah. didn't, didn't get messy on the back end. Right. You and know, I do darker if it would have. Oh, so much darker. And I think also I, I really like, cause I think that even the way that, cause I remember when the first, the first trailer I think dropped at the end of 2019 and that's like when I had like come across it the first time. And I think that the way that they, they cut it is that you also think that when she's with these dudes teaching them a lesson, that there is an element maybe of, of violence to them. Yeah, she murders and I think, them. Yeah, I think even like right down to when she's doing, she alternates between using a blue and a red pen when she's tallying the marks, which I, I, I had read and they were, they were just like talking about how like they know why they did that, but it was they're not telling anybody, you know, why they did it like that. And I love that choice. Cause I think it's easy to think that like the ones that are on red did like some shit go down. Like did, did something happen? And I, and I kind of like it being in, being in the dark, but there are just so many nuanced moments like that. Like whenever she has to put the scrunchie on her hand, when she's doing the notebook, which I kind of imagine maybe it was Nina's scrunchie 
you know. Oh shit, I, I didn't think about that. I was, well, yeah, I was like, well. I was just like all of these little, these little ticks and things that just are so specific that just really color, color in the world without having to, that's what I love about like, we don't ever meet Nina. We don't see flashbacks. We don't get any of that back end, you know, of the history, but it's colored in so well in all of the little details about Cassie and how she lives her life that like, I feel like I could have seen, I, I would have, you know, like I saw a scene in a flashback, even though we didn't, like, I feel like I've been so informed by how they color the, the world in the present. You just kick my ass with that scrunchy <laughs> comment. You're absolutely right. And the fact that she wears the pennant yep. when she goes and it's actually Nina's pennant in the ashes that get yep. out and yeah. it, in the, in the, you're welcome from Nina and Cassie, the oh. posthumous text. And yes. it's, you, she, she allows Nina to be part of the revenge. Yeah. And it's th that that's interesting and it's fulfilling in, in its own way. I think for me, do, do you have a, a comment or a, do you have a, a feeling in terms of what the blue pen meant? I don't. Um, I kind of, I just love, I love things being open to interpretation yeah. like that. I think. I'm just interested in what you would, if you have any first impressions or, or first instincts. I, I, I was kind of hoping that the blue pen meant that the person would held themselves accountable for their actions. Cause I think yeah. when she leaves McLovin's house, you know, he's like, get the fuck out of here. Oh, get the fuck out of here. And mm -hmm. he, and, and so it's like, okay, this person never, never says, sorry, doesn't, doesn't take responsibility versus a blue might be like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. Holy shit. I feel like an asshole. I please forgive me. Mm -hmm. Have a, have a good night. I've learned my lesson. I, that's what I think the blue pen might mean, but I, I, I would like to think so as well. I, I kind of like to think that, you know, the, the blue and, and I think whenever you get like kind of a quick pan uh, on the page, there are a lot more blues than there are reds. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, 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 I do think something similar. I think that like red is definitely like something, something went a little awry or like they weren't apologetic or they got, you know, aggressive or something like that. That's kind of like my, my mentality um, mm -hmm. ha was as well for that. Um, but yeah, I just, uh, I just think that the specificity of that is part of what makes the, the film so successful. Yeah. It's it's really going to be something that sticks with me for a long time. To go back to the point you were making about the male gaze and the tunnel vision, when McLovin's mm. talking about his fucking novel. Oh, God. And he's going, yeah, it's this gritty, it's about like a guy's experience in New York City. And it's like, oh yeah, really, that's what we need is the hard times of the straight white male in New York City right now. That's that's the novel that needs to be written. And she's like, your novel fucking sucks. But it just goes more to speak of just these there's just no awareness. It's yeah. like you're, you're sitting here drugging up this woman and you're talking about how fucking hard your life is and how yeah. that story needs to be told. Yeah, I just, first off, I have unfortunately been on the receiving end of a conversation like that far too many times. Y'all. Yeah, you work in theater. <laughs> oh God, I know. It's Let just, me tell you about my story that I'm writing about me and my dad. Yeah, <laughs> I'm really breaking down some barriers here. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's just... I don't know. There's just something. Well, and also I think 
I love getting to see like that we're kind of from the top of the scene with him. He's trash. Like you know he's trash. There is no doubt. Oh, he, all of them. Even the, garbage. The, the like the tamale lighting with uh, Adam yeah. Brody. Yeah, it, and see that's the thing is that like you 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 get the bar like at the very top where like Sam Richardson and the other guy are just so blatantly misogynistic uh-huh. it's just like so in your face like how disgusting they are like how they're talking about her and of course they're talking about her with other men they would never probably do that quite as publicly if other women were around but then you've got like adam brody who's just like y'all like he's not like joining in on it but as soon as you're in the taxi and he's like do you want to come to my place for a drink and it's just like see that's what's worse because the you nice could guy almost is worse. Think, yeah, because you could almost think this guy might actually care that I that I get home all right. And then as soon as you know, she's apparently blitzed out of her mind. But yeah, do you want one more drink at my place? And it's just like, you're worse than the guy who just tells me to my face that he's a pile of trash. Yeah. Or even back to society perpetuating this, they do a quick shot of the eyes of the Uber driver in the mm-hmm. mirror, and that person could intervene. Yeah, if they it really doesn't. wanted to. Hey, she's actually. If I, I don't, I don't believe this is yeah. appropriate. Maybe rethink your decisions here. That that person could have intervened, but he just sighs and says, "Put the new address in the app." Yeah. meaning he clearly sees this all the time. Yeah. That Uber driver sees that scene play out all the time. Yep, sees it all the time and doesn't give a shit except don't puke in my car because I just got it upholstered. Yeah. Like, that's it's the thing. Society is it- perpetuating the, this environment and it's the lawyers that are fucking per- drumming up all this stuff on social media so these guys can get off all the time and never be held accountable. You were right, saying- well, and it's, you just think you're, you think you're a, there's, there's no such thing as an innocent bystander in a case, especially in a case like this, where it's just like, no, you had an opportunity, dude. You think that just because you're not with them as soon as they leave the car, that you're not just as responsible. Like you could have easily just been like, dude, I think she's, she's had enough. Maybe just, you know, we'll drop her off and then I'll get, you know, I'll get you home. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, it's just one of those things where it's like you had, you had an opportunity to help someone who's clearly incapacitated and you couldn't, you couldn't care less because it doesn't have anything to do with you. Yeah. Oh, geez. So go ahead. You're saying. I, well, I was just going to say, I also do want to touch on how much I loved seeing, it's weird to say loved, but I did love seeing Bo Berman in a role like this. This was, he was really great. cool. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of his musical stand-up comedy. I think he's incredibly intelligent as a director, as a writer. I loved Eighth Grade. And um, I and I've loved he's gotten to do a couple of different kind of film roles, but nothing quite like quite like this. Like I've always seen, I think all the things that I've seen him in on film, he's been like a straight up asshole. Like mm-hmm. you like know from like the very top, like, oh God, what a douchebag. But like it was really nice, like getting him to see kind of like what you would think a rom-com, you know, leading man would be. And then it gets like turned on its head. I thought, I thought it was really great. I love that when you first meet him, he's always in blue because it makes his eyes pop so that he really pops on the screen oh, and he shit. just seems, he seems really innocent. I think the first two or three times you see him, he's in a blue like sweater or a blue shirt. Or his, and it or just, his uh, scrubs. Yeah. Yeah. Or his scrubs. And it's just like, he just seems like, so so innocent like he's just like 
I'm, I'm a good guy that's going to heal you from your shit. And it's just like, nah, dude. Or, or just even the fact his occupation is taking care of kids, little kids yeah. is. I'm a pediatrician. And I, I think he, it's a really complex role. It's a challenging role to be able to turn, like you say, in that, in that confrontation scene. I think, I think he nails the rom-com stuff too, which is so important. It's so important that you're pulling for that relationship just so it'll let you down so hard when it does. And there was a scene, my son, the siren, every time I mentioned my girlfriend, because this is who I watched it with, but she was like, I'm blushing. Who is this guy? She doesn't yeah. know him as well, but she's like, he is cute. This guy is so, so cute. cute. He's, I love this guy. Oh my God. And, and we're thinking, okay, this is going to be the savior. This is going to be the, at the end of, at the end of this journey, you know, he'll, she'll be able to leave right. this alone and, and they'll live happily ever after. And, and that's what makes the, the back half of the movie so impactful but it's yeah so it's true. really great he kills it he kills it. it well the i mean i think that when i started feeling like i feel like some i had like this feeling of like the other shoe's gonna drop the pharmacy scene when they're singing stars are blind yeah. <laughs> together by paris hilton in the pharmacy scene and you're seeing this montage of all of these like really genuinely like not vomit inducing romantic moments between yeah. them where it's just like, and you can tell that because of that, she's kind of starting to pull away from her revenge plot because she's like, I can't, I can't be. There's no happy. way those two worlds can exist. Yeah, there's no way that they can coexist. I, you know, because that, that anger will just consume you just as much as, as falling in love will. And so I, you have like this really beautiful moment where they're connecting and I, fell so hard in love with with him even more but like with the two of them as a couple that as soon as that scene was over i was just like but why do i feel like there's something yeah. else i thought that i thought the point of conflict there was going to be when sam richardson comes in and mm. it it blows yes. all that up um but I, that that gets resolved later anyway so yeah it was just multiple phases and, and multiple tone shifts it's it, it really is playing with a lot it could have got messy i mm -hmm. personally think it was great the, the last 10 minutes i feel were were okay um it's just so different than the general rhythm of the movie before then but then i, I also don't want to complain too much because it was it, it was nice to see all of our people get their comeuppance. So. Oh, set to the perfect song, Angel of the Morning. Yeah. I just thought that that was just, I mean, the soundtracking for this film was just completely brilliant in, in, in my purview. I just thought that every song that was chosen was just so carefully curated to the moment. And I thought that that ending sequence with uh, that song especially was just, I mean, well, and also the toxic violin cover i mean that that's sweeping as, the nation i know well it's it's great because it was in the trailer but then as soon as it happens in the film i was like shit's about to go down oh you just know oh my god the sweat on my palms when she slips into those candy red shoes and then mm -hmm. the door closes behind her at the bachelor party you're like holy shit and she has a feeling that she might not leave there she yeah. goes in there i mean she obviously set up that contingency plan she goes yeah. in there knowing very well there's a chance that something goes wrong. It was a big risk. Yeah. Put yourself a, in that environment. A huge swing. I do love, because I imagine 
and I, and I could be incorrect, but I do love her not driving up there, leaving her car somewhere, hiding the keys in the, in the wheel well, because I think that in my mind, it was because that's one more thing that if she had driven up, you know, to the driveway, that would have been one more thing for them to think of, oh, we've got to figure out how to, how to get rid of this. But then the car clearly puts her at the scene Mm -hmm. of where a crime takes place. And it's that thing of like, a lot of times for men out of sight, out of mind. So they don't even think like, oh, hey, how did she get here? And it's like, yo, dude, (laughs) like, did not because you're, you're just thinking of like, what's immediately right in front of you, which is this body, which we need to take care of. Not the fact that there's probably a, a car lurking around here that we probably should have paid attention to uh, but i love because she knows and and i think that that's what's so smart about her character also is that she did have a contingency plan she planned for every aspect of it right down to the fact that bo burnham's character wasn't gonna he wasn't gonna for lack of a better phrase man up he wasn't gonna come clean about the fact that he knew exactly where she was when she went missing he doesn't say anything and yeah. that he still goes to the wedding she even knows Jesus. that he's still going to go yeah. to the wedding knowing exactly what he knows about that dude and about what had to have happened at that bachelor party. Garbage. Oh, fuck, man. Huh. Oh. I feel like we've, we've really wrung this thing out. Do you have any other, anything left in those notes? Um, I do have to say that the first thing I'd ever seen Sam Richardson in was as uh, Richard and Veep. Veep and so yeah. it was very strange, like right at the top of this film to see him just being a complete dumpster fire of a human because he's so sweet and good natured on that show, which again, to your point is so great by casting like guys like him and Adam Brody and Max Greenfield, people who notoriously play the good guys or the guys. Yeah. That you where was date. Jonah Hill? Oh, right. I, like where like some of these guys, it's like they could have, I'm sure the list was long of these like, Oh, shucks, good old Hollywood boys, but right. exactly. It's these guys. And it's, and he fits, he fits that mode really well. And, that that scene was a little goofy. The, the I, I I wish sometimes some of these scenes got a little. I think the fedora scene was a little oh. goofy. Oh God, the fedora! The, <laughs> you're not exactly dropping panties yourself, Paul. Paul. That uh that that bit was okay. These guys were just because the bit that I didn't like was when he texts he checks his phone. He's like Uber one point two. We can walk it. We can walk. I mean, it's like okay, this is a little much. I I liked it <sighs> more when it was really dark and and. I guess a little more realistic. That one just seemed a little too bitty, if that makes yeah. sense to you. But overall, uh, he he fits that really well. You, you never saw him in Ch- uh, Chicago Second City? No, I didn't, and I am so upset. He was so great. Him and him and Tim Rich or Tim Robinson, oh. who both are Detroit guys. They had a show called The Detroiters on Comedy Central, and they they, they collaborate a lot. But oh they God. were great. I have to check that out. A few years ago at the Chicago Second City, they really killed it. So. Not shit. I love that. Little Chicago. I, I I love that. I just so that seeing him on screen and it just it was just a, a complete one eighty, which I really love. But no, I just felt like this the cinematography again. Like I just like really have to shout out. Like I loved. There are a lot of long panning shots, like mid torso of like women, and I just thought that. I don't know. Again, it just goes back to everything was just very specific and deliberate. And I just, I love a film that gets, that gets all of those small things right. I don't know. I just, uh, I just thought that 
uh, that was just so well done. But I, I, again, I just also am so happy that at the end of it, Nina is a part of what brings him to justice. And, you know, it's unfortunate that it took Cassie having to die, you know, and for it, for him to go away for as long as he should have, you know, for raping Nina. Like, I'm sure that had something happened, like had he, you know, been, you know, brought to any sort of justice back when it happened with Nina, unfortunately, a lot of times uh, acquaintance rape like that uh, is kind of, more way more of a slap on a wrist than it deserves to be he probably wouldn't have you know maybe gotten too much depending on you know how it all would have shaken up but murdering someone that's (laughs) a longer sentence yeah that'll send you away for a long time also max greenfield like trying to run into the woods (laughs) (laughs) just this little gallop yeah yeah just like the slow like steps away before he just like full out it's just like trying to run what's the what's the long play there bud yeah, like what a but again, it's because you're not you're not thinking you're 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 not thinking. You're very tunnel vision. You're like, how do I get myself out of this situation when you are just as much at, you're an accessory after the fact. Yeah. So I just yeah, I just yeah, I think we really hit all of my things. I feel like this film is just rife with themes that you could discuss for hours on end, especially when it comes to um believing survivors yeah um and uh the toll that it takes on not just the person that it directly happens to but the people it affects you know outside of that i mean cassie's entire life was derailed because she was just like i i she spent the rest of her life taking care of her because she felt guilty that she wasn't at this one party to help protect her when in actuality the people there should have been protecting her just just as much and society should protect our people and so absolutely thank you so much for coming on today this was really great to be able to to dig into this it's a i love these types of movies and i love that this is one of my favorite things to do is is watch a movie that has a lot to talk about has a lot to dissect you can dig in and, and view other people's opinions and it really is one of my favorite parts of being a film fan. So I appreciate you coming in and and digging in with me here. Yeah, same. Thank you for having me. I, yeah, when I know that when we both watched this, like you texted me as soon as you were done, you were just like, holy shit, you got to watch this. And I was like, oh my God, I was just going to watch this today. And then I just (laughs) love our exchanges back and forth of just how much we were still, I mean, I was still thinking about this movie two days, like after it happened, I got, I rented it on Prime. Uh, My roommate is uh, taking care of her dad right now. So I was like, Yo, log into Prime and watch this before it expires. You got to watch it. I got my mom to watch it. And this isn't, she likes like a lot of historical dramas, like, you know, historical fiction, a lot of period pieces. And so this isn't necessarily something that's like up her alley stylistically, but I was like, mom, no, you have to watch this. And she was just like, oh my God, what a film. And so, yeah, we, me and, my girlfriend, it's on the siren, have been sharing it. Everybody's been getting the, the recommendations. So Hell yeah. it's, uh, it's, it's great. And it, it, no matter what happens in the award season, it's, it's winning the analysis award. So it, that's, that's as, as, it, as it should. I really, I, yeah. I hope that it's nominated for so much. It, it deserves it and more. I, this film, I, I can't sing its praises enough. So I, thank you for letting me uh, gush about it for yeah, the part of Uh, And thanks everybody for listening. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this conversation as much as we enjoyed having it. Make sure you like and subscribe. 
wash your hands. Yay. Stay safe, everybody. We'll see you guys next time. Britney Spears music. Yes. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>